0: This is your spoiler warning. If you have not seen this movie, and you do not want it spoiled for you, this is the time to turn it off. Beyond here, we are not responsible for your actions. And also... Second warning, we are not experts. We do not hold ourselves out to be experts, and these are our opinions. Well, actually... Well, actually... Well, actually... Well... Actually, This is all the sports on screen with the Well Actually Sporting Club. Here's your hosts, Maria and Sasky. Maria, we're back in the cupboards,
1: yep, without the weird washing machine noise coming from my basement.
0: Yes, we have just spent a little bit of time trying to troubleshoot (laughs) some background noise and unfortunately, we can only get it down so far because computer fans are very quite loud turns out and uh, we've got a little bit of physical restrictions in some of these spaces but yes it took us quite a while to figure out the fact that the noise that we were hearing was the washing machine in your basement sport we have finished another formula one season and since we last recorded a lot of shit has gone down in that time and it was amazing and horrifying and amazing, but it's over now. If you know what we're talking about, obviously it's the Romain Grosjean crash at the start of the Bahrain GP, which was an incredible testament to the safety and the science and the skills of all of the people in F1 and what they have done to make them safe, and a testament to the ability to make decisions in a crisis that Formula One drivers have. But, We are not an F1 podcast, even though the fact that you and I both could talk about this forever, (laughs) and we will talk about cars uh, throughout the this show, we do have uh, Hurley, which is a really great Mm -hmm. documentary about one of the first queer sports car racers who was a, I wanted to say IMSA, I don't think it was exactly IMSA, but it was a sports car racing in that sense. I think he did
1: race there, but yeah, it was kind
0: of... One of of the icons and the heroes of American Mm -hmm. um, racing in that, Le Mans, all of those kind of things. So we do have that. We obviously have, in a cinematic sense... At one of our, both of our, like one of our favorite movies, Rush. Yay. And, and then Ford versus Ferrari is probably another one that we will touch on at some point because it's quite recent and it's very good. One of the, actually, one of the other things that we will get into the documentaries that I forgot about is we'll look at Formula E's and We Go Green, yes. which yes. we also got super, we sound like very pretentious, but the Toronto International Film Festival has done an amazing job of getting sports related things lately. So we've been super lucky in that sense. Now, there's one kind of, before we get into today's, today's, uh, topic movie, mm-hmm. we're back in the cinematic world this week, after the the intensity that was forever pure. Yeah. We're back into something presented in a more lighter way. We're talking about uh, Battle of the Sexes, the latest, the, I'm sure there's more than one actually I think, but the retelling of the Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs and that's what we're talking about today. But in kind of relation to that, mm-hmm. talk about Naomi Osaka at the moment, because Women's tennis is a very different paradigm in some ways to a lot of other women's sports. And we see Naomi Osaka experiencing so much, like obviously success, but financial success from that success that we don't always see.
1: Yeah. And just as this week we are going through and I was trying to catch up on what has happened recently in the sporting world. She was on, she's in the newest issue of Vogue or the one that's coming out, I guess, in January. I'm not sure. Anyway, one of the most recent issues talking about like her career and her life and her upbringing and all of that stuff. And there was some different posts and like Things going around about how she's now becoming the highest fa- highest paid female athlete in the world from the period of like June 2019 to June 2020, bringing in 37.4 million dollars com- in combined prize money and endorsements. Which actually I didn't realize eclipses both Maria Sharapova and Serena Williams, which is so wild to me.
0: It's wild in some senses, but mm-hmm. we're also at a point where um, Naomi Osaka is at the peak of her endorsement earning potential, and will be for the next however many years that she is dominant. Serena Williams doesn't necessarily take a lot of endorsements and those things nowadays because she doesn't need to, and she is a, can be a bit more picky and choosy, and she's not on the circuit as much. She'd been away. She had a daughter. All of those kind of things have shifted that. I find Naomi is really interesting because so much of that monetary value probably at least... Two thirds to three quarters of that monetary value is endorsement mm-hmm. values. Yes, winning a grand slam brings you money, but it's probably only somewhere between 1.5 to 3. I can't remember them off the top of my head. I know they're kind of around that. Even if you're winning a bunch of other things, say you won 10 million in prize money that year, there's still 27.4 million there and As she uh, competes under the Japanese flag, she has been able to, you know, speak to different markets, which has been also a really advantageous thing for her in that sense. Also a brilliant thing for her because, of course, go up, do that. It's very interesting, though, because Billie Jean King talked uh, recently about Naomi Osaka and Mm -hmm. all of this, and she had that idea that, or she said she's... You know, when they started the WTA, uh, the Women's Tennis Association, way back in like the 1970s, they wanted any girl in the world, no matter color of her skin, to have a place to compete and to be appreciated for, for her talents and not just how they looked and to be able to make a living doing that because they yes. weren't. And I think that's <laughs> really the crux of... Of women's sport. They want to be able to play what they do that they love, that they're great at, and they want to just make enough to live or they want to make a living out of it.
1: Yeah, it's basically that, like that phrase, be able to make a living. No one's saying be able to make a living and be a millionaire yeah. or whatever it is. Just yeah, be yeah. able to. I think level the playing field basically and to be able to not have to work like three jobs and then also practice and you know.
0: There's a there's an expression in sport or it's a term I've heard used and I have used for things before, but the sporting version is, we call it the grass ceiling and it's, this is as far as you can get in women's Mm -hmm. sport. That's what it is. I think the other thing about Naomi Osaka that has made her so amazing this year, and that is the kind of fearlessness she has had in stepping forward and doing the right thing and saying the right things and speaking up for social justice issues and being, unapologetic in any way about it and that's such a leading the way and she's so young in comparison to a lot of these other people but it's such an it's an absolute for her and I think for people in and out of tennis like that is something that you see and you like latch onto and you're like okay going in this sense but when they talked to Billie Jean King about this, she's was saying, like, Naomi's making us focus on these problems that we have. She's drawing that focus in, even into specific ones, specific names, specific cases that she represented on, say, face masks at the mm-hmm. U.S. Open. And and for Billie Jean King, who we're about to talk a bunch about, that's <laughs> her dream, an athlete who is able to compete and based on their talents regardless of their skin color to make this money and then to use the voice that they have from all of that to try and do something good because that's what she tried to do really yeah
1: yeah um exactly that and i think we'll touch a little bit more on that later when we talk about the film itself with the race component the racial component in it and I know you have some quotes from Billie Jean, like with an interview with Emma Stone and that type of thing. But and also just some other stuff that we are doing research wise about that fear of stepping up as an athlete that we're seeing more people starting to do. And especially someone who isn't the white straight athlete in this case, that type of thing, too. Like that adds another layer of. Not importance, but like significance to it, I guess.
0: Yes, they've got more on the line because it's, it's, they may have the same actual thing on the line, mm-hmm. the same outcome, but what it takes to, for them to suffer, like to people to make them suffer for it is a lot less. Yeah. Like that kind of bar is like a lot higher or lower, whichever <laughs> way it works. Yeah. In, in that sense, but. Yes. Tell us about. This battle of the sexes, this movie itself, actually. I will touch a bit on what it actually was and its kind of place in the ecosystem, but the movie itself, as our official movie person. Oh. Yeah. I like
1: that title. I feel like the bar is pretty low for that. But.
0: Yeah, yeah. The bar is there was two people here and I watched a movie the other day called A Prince for Christmas. So, like, really, it's a very low bar.
1: So, yeah, Battle of the Sexes is a general term, but in this case, it's also the title of the film that we're covering this week produced in twenty seventeen, so fairly recently. We saw this one, I think, not at TIFF, it was just like after I think we we saw this one at at some point when it came out. Yeah. It has a really great cast and but surprisingly it didn't make budget in the box office, which was
0: I mean it's both surprising surprising and unsurprising at the same time.
1: Yes. Critics loved it, again, because I think it is a it's a pretty it's a good movie. It' Yeah, for some reason it just didn't fully for, translate for, over. For,
0: for some reason or that it was a movie about women and <laughs> Look, sport I was and to be things. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the implication she's making here that all of you I'm sure understand is that this topic may not have been popular with everyone. Yes, let's just say everyone.
1: So it's directed by Valerie Ferris and Jonathan Dayton they have done some other films such as Little Miss Sunshine which was very popular a good movie when it came out yeah and then most recently uh Living With Yourself which I haven't watched but it's a show on Netflix with Paul Rudd so Battle of the Sexes produced in 2017 it's a biographical sports film that is loosely based on the 1973 tennis match uh, between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs
0: so this Battle of the sexes phrase. We hear it all the time, everywhere, in every context imaginable, and it sucks every time you hear it. Like, there's so many sociological explanations of why we do it and also why it's dumb at the same time. Mm -hmm. In this instance, what we're talking about is Billie Jean King, who at this point is 29, taking on Bobby Riggs, who at this point is 55, retired, and a heavy gambler who is unfit, to take her on in a uh, tennis match um, at the uh, Houston Astrodome. At the point, it I, I think still to this day, it is the largest crowd in the US to ever see a tennis match, and it is still one of the largest globally. I think there may be two or three that um, were done intentionally to diff- to be bigger than it, but there was thirty thousand people there to mm-hmm. see a tennis match.
1: Yeah, and I just remember the first time seeing this and like the premise of it, and they're like fifty-five year old, but and I was like, "Of of course, of course." Yep. Just like the massive
0: eyeballs that the, accompanies yeah. that. <laughs> Who has the confidence to do this? That guy. <laughs> the, Fifty million people watched this in the US. So at that time, we're talking probably like at least what, eighth, sixth Mm. of the country, a lot of people. I'm trying to remember Mm. how many people probably were in the United States at that time. I'm not great at that. And globally, 90 million people. That's a lot of people. And so this tennis match kind of has taken on a a, a position in society that doesn't necessarily reflect how people may have felt about it or what it really should deserve to be in the sense that it was – a 29-year-old champion playing a 55-year-old dude who wanted to make more money. There is these these are uh, just it's one of those stories or one of those things where it happened and it was big and then it, the the story has grown in its narrative as time has passed mm-hmm. and it has been told through numerous things. There was to the th- th- in tennis there's been three different battle of the sexes this was the second one the first one we also see in this film which is bobby riggs taking on margaret court and absolutely destroying her and the point with that i will make is margaret court and Billie jean king margaret court is probably a better tennis player than Billie jean king there's just so many other factors that came into that match too that mm-hmm. we don't see talked about beyond the kind of man versus woman factor
1: yeah the man versus woman factor and the phrase is battle of the sexes but it's really in a way all other parts that feed pieces that feed into that narrative are just excluded to the point like it's very narrowed down to yep
0: it's a very narrow story yeah Yeah. it's a very yeah us us versus them is a great way Mm -hmm. to to put it thinking of what they do to be the them and succeed almost Mm -hmm. one 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 note on this and it actually made me think of it made me think of the crown which was this idea that you can have historical accuracy to the fact and Mm -hmm. you can have accuracy to the truth Mm -hmm. and so the truth of this is the game itself the Fight for the equal rights. The narrative of how she got there and this and that. The other elements that are portrayed in the movie along the way may not have happened in the order that they happened because some of them didn't. Some of them actually happened after and were moved back for the term of the narrative. All of those kind of things, but they they don't have to be factually correct. I think in this kind of movie to tell the the truth in a sense.
1: Yeah, to explain the concepts in a yes. way, because another really good example of maybe taking creative license a little bit too far is like Bohemian Rhapsody. Different things were moved around in the timeline in that film, which I know bugged a lot of people, but at the same I guess you have to decide when you're doing that creative license what is the point you're trying to get across, and what um, is the size
0: of the audience that knows you've moved it around. <laughs> yes,
1: also that because I feel like if you're just a, like a casual Queen fan, you probably wouldn't know. I didn't but notice. Like,
0: I've seen Bohemian Rhapsody, and I have no idea.
1: Whereas, like the purists are more, "What the hell is happening here? This is not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> accurate yeah. at all."
0: And that's and that's completely what we're seeing with the Crown at the moment. Whereas, where that phrasing kind of idea came from where some parts of that retelling are not a hundred percent accurate but the overarching themes and attitudes and that they convey are very accurate and that's what they're trying to tell
1: yeah I think the only place that I really I haven't watched all of The Crown like the latest season but for this film the only I guess issues it presents for me is when it tries to or in any film, where it tries to humanize a character that is like the antagonist, in a sense, when you know that character maybe was crappier than was portrayed in the film, and then there's that attempt to try to humanize them, to be like, look, he's not really a bad guy, he's just like... The, the funny
0: thing is, I'm assuming we're talking Billy Riggs here.
1: Yes, in, in this, this sense, case, yeah. Riggs.
0: The funny thing about, in a real-world sense, is that they ended up becoming very good friends. She spoke to him the day before he died. She, They went mm-hmm. on The the Odd Couple or something like that, some game show together. <laughs> There's this very funny stories, but at the same time, she's very, you know, I know exactly why he was doing what he was doing, and I know all of the reasons, and I have no illusions about what his agenda was. And I don't think he really made a lot of illusions about, no, I did this definitely to be like, a shit heel for lack of a better yeah. expression, and to make money because I needed it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we'll see later, a little bit later on in the discussion, too, like the difference between his male chauvinism in the film as opposed to, like, Jack Kramer's. Yes. Which was a very different thing entirely. Yes. And almost worse, even though he was more... Uh. Less loud and, like, billy riggs's
0: Billy riggs's misogyny or chauvinism was to mm-hmm. your face. You knew where you stood. You knew what it was. Yes. Jack Kramer's, like, very many things, when we see people excluding people for race and sexuality and all of these things, they're finding ways to wrap it up in an excuse that is palatable and acceptable, but mm-hmm. is really just cover for things. And one of the things we did see in this, when, you know, in, at the start of this, so... We are, at the start of that movie, that first scene, in, and when she goes in and she's mad because this is what they're doing with the prize money and all of this, you see the kind of idea of shifting goalposts. And you see a really interesting kind of... Uh, line there that says we have to pay the men more because they make they need to look after their families and that's that kind of intersection that we've gone into every time that society and sport are not like separate (laughs) concepts here like they, they like in many different ways in this us obviously still intersected incredibly
1: yeah, so weird how that just keeps 100%. popping up every I mean, time we.
0: It's not like it's a sport. It's not like it's a mirror for society or anything. No, not at all. Yeah,
1: I, it is exactly what you say. And like the that first scene of like where they're like the men are getting twelve thousand and the women will get fifteen hundred, and you should. It he didn't say it, but it was just very you should like, be grateful you should for be what happy. We got. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That you're getting anything that's more than like one dollar. Yeah, and just societal attitudes at that point, and that's still persist today yeah
0: i think there's we see a lot of bits and pieces of this that do speak to everything speaks to a societal attitude everything that we talk about on every part of this show so far speaks to societal attitudes how mm-hmm. they feel about women how they feel about the queer community how they feel about people of color all of those things what happens in these documentaries and movies speaks to that broader society because that is the attitudes that have come to these people that they are now bringing into this movie or or documentary. I found really interesting in this or that I quite liked and this is also how she comes across as a person Billie Jean King obviously had she was a female athlete she was a member whether she had got there or not a member of the queer community all of these things but Within this, and she's fighting for these rights for other the other female tennis players, and that she stands her ground. But she does it like she does it very like calmly, clearly. Oh, she knows what she wants. She, it, it is like a professional athlete. She knows what she wants. And she's going after it. But that in itself, the fact that she had the audacity in that time in society to stand up and say you no. Know, I will not take your pittance of one eighth for the same work and yeah. be happy about it. I'm going to go over here and it may be a disaster. I'm gonna try this thing. Like her actual standing up for this was such like so controversial in itself, just yeah, from existence. It wasn't, it wasn't
1: like loud particularly loud or aggressive. It was just very much I know my value. And this is this is what it is. Yep. You should be recognizing the value that I bring to this tournament or this sport as the North American or world number one or whatever it may be at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just like, threw the men into a fit,
0: basically. Oh my god, there's that great, there's that, <laughs> I say great with air quotes, that great scene where they're in the locker room, and just the language, in the sense of the old school patriarchal, imagery. there's nothing wrong with a, a girl in a short skirt chasing a ball, or something like that, mm-hmm. you're like, oh cool, I've established exactly where we are, perfectly, we've got this, we know what's, we know what's yeah. happening. There was. She has a bit of a. She has a bit of a quote about it, and we touched on that idea earlier. That this was really a inconsequential, made-for-television exhibition match. This is not the U.S. Open. This is not Wimbledon. This is nothing, right? The rules are different. There's silliness. She came out on at that. Like it's made up, and it's gone on to attain this mythical status, and it really shouldn't be what we as society are looking to as a landmark for establishing an equality of the the sexes because that's really what her argument is A
1: 100% because like when you think about it yes she trained and she did take the match seriously from a sense of she knew that she needed to win that but from the other side like Bobby Riggs didn't take anything about it seriously
0: and he'd taken Margaret Court seriously but once he beat her so sadly he he was like, like
1: yeah it's fine like he and in the film like you see he's out taking like his supplements or whatever in lieu of training it was just like yeah yeah these are fine i don't need to do anything i beat the arm already as margaret court is dubbed in the film and may have been her actual nickname yes yeah at that point he was just like expecting it to be a walk in the park so yeah to him it was all just a big show and Obviously, he wanted to win that money. So that's really all it was.
0: It's, it's funny because I feel, and you obviously know my uh, sports background, I come from sport as well as, within that, working with women's teams. I was about to say women's sport, and I was like, no, it's all sport. We've just got into the habit <laughs> of othering them by calling it women's sport. And even when mm-hmm. you know, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, working with that. And I've, I feel like I've been having the argument that this movie centers around for probably the last 10 years of my life in, for most of the time, in an employment sense. Mm -hmm. And it's that we keep arguing about men and women's sport because we keep trying to, we need to have an answer. We need to know who's better and this and that. And obviously we move the goalposts, we do all of these things. But it's such a, we keep coming back to this every year every season every something we end up now like 30 40 years after this still having this conversation actually it's nearly 50 years it would be t- 2023 will be 50 years so wow, this has yeah. been this is a conversation that a lot of us are like oh we thought this would be over with no it's not mm-hmm. i i think the thing is and you see this in this movie there isn't actually a point where Billie Jean King suggests that she is better than her male counterparts. She doesn't say that. Her argument is the equality of pay because of the equality of entertainment provided.
1: Yes. And like the first scene where she's talking to Jack Kramer in like the men's lounge or wherever it is that they are, they were like, We sold the same amount of tickets. So why wouldn't we be receiving, like, equal to the men for the final? And there is also that scene near the end where she's talking to the reporter, and he, and she's, I literally never said that women were better than men. I I never said that.
0: Yep. I just want them to be equal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's
1: such an important... A distinction to make I think because I feel like a lot of the conversations that are had these days not just between us but just in general life are very like women keep trying to say that they're better and and I'm like I never said that
0: I was like Did I don't anyone say that I was like I've been in women's sport for a long time and I've literally never heard a female athlete say she was better than male athlete unless it was a racing car driver who had beaten the other one because that is obviously racing and some of those kind of sports sit a little outside which is a whole different Mm -hmm. social cluster because of you're like oh (laughs) so this is able to be equal and you're still sexist with it okay cool okay yeah which i'm sure we'll cover because we're gonna would be like a two-hour episode (laughs) Yes, otherwise (laughs) otherwise. one of the things we see when we talk about women's sport and in this Is As I said, their argument is about the equality of entertainment. They aren't ever pitting themselves against men in a strength versus strength. But when we have this conversation as a society, we frame it in the way that women must beat men to be considered better when that's not actually the argument. Men's sport and women's sport are uniquely different yeah, things, just different, because there is just the biological realities of how people are are built. So, how a group of men would play soccer is different to how a group of women will, and they are, in that sense, distinctly different sports. They are the sport of men's soccer and women's soccer, not the sport of soccer itself. And they are strong and competitive and all of these things in their sport yes. in that sense. It's when people start being like, I have an apple and I have an orange and I'm going to compare them against each other despite the fact that their genetic makeup is not at all the same and they mm-hmm. biologically have a different outcome.
1: Yeah, that's definitely where I think the problem is. But yet is also the thing that everybody keeps coming back to. And you're like, how many times do we have to have the same conversation? Yeah. Like,
0: They're just not as good. I'm like, you'll watch college football. yeah.
1: And which is a uniquely, I guess, North American kind of, I don't really know any Canadian people who watch it or as into it, but I'm sure there are some. Yeah. Or, and not to be like rude, but you all watch the CFL. So what?
0: Yeah. (laughs) CFL, you watch Xfinity series. I watch Formula Two and Formula Three, like competition is competition. I grew up watching the A-League in Australia. Not great. Not spectacular if you're comparing it to the world stage. Fun, competitive against each other, an enjoyable experience. That's fine. That's the framework I'm working in this yeah. sense.
1: And the point is that it's all different and it's different levels of competition and different levels of the people that play in them, like that different athletes and that that type of thing. That's literally all it is. It's not this one is better because
0: better yeah. is also such a subjective concept how obviously there are data metrics and certain things but there, there is framing of things that this is better or that is better and you're like okay so male figure skating isn't as good as females figure skating if we're just looking at popularity yet you can do more but they have more like you realize how mm-hmm. in a lot of ways it, it can be um that subjective but this kind of ongoing uh, need to prove a, a superiority which is very much a societal cultural thing we need to prove always that we are better than something else yeah but th- there was a discussion with Billie jean king during this and it's funny because we never call her by just Billie jean it's just <laughs> always Billie jean king like it's, yeah. it's the full thing she was really afraid to lose to him because and you see her within this being like Maybe don't do that, Margaret Court. Or, like, I don't want to do this just like, because I am going out there, and if I lose, this is going to set the entire mm-hmm. women's movement back. And she understood that it wasn't really when she was considered like. It wasn't about she was beating Billy Riggs it was, or, or losing to Billy Riggs. It was about losing as a, rep, as a representation of something.
1: Yeah, it's that whole idea of if you're a woman or a person of color or some marginalized community, it's never... Your actions are never just about you as an individual.
0: You're responsible you for have, everyone.
1: Yeah, you have the expectations and everything of not even expectations but like the eyes of everyone is on you to represent an entire community yeah. which is a huge you've got to be problem. a
0: model whatever
1: yeah so like you have to be perfect and then if you're perfect then they're like oh that's one person so yeah. even if you're perfect they don't automatically yeah. recognize that's a good thing well for someone the did that
0: but And then,
1: yeah, and then if you're terrible, they're like, immediately all women are blah, blah, blah. So it's very double standard.
0: We did talk about this in the sense of uh, that is 100% how things go. And, but then (laughs) at the same time, it's like hashtag not all men. (laughs) And they're like excluding different parts of themselves from the narrative because they aren't responsible for it. A hundred percent. But you're facing up against the same thing there which is so where like certain groups of people are responsible as a larger group and certain groups of people only have to be responsible as a like self-contained entity so yes. it is a very interesting intersection of and it's not just an intersection of gender because it covers all of those kind of points it covers race it covers mm-hmm. sexuality it covers gender all of all you know ability all of these things yeah and it's what it's a reflection of, once again, we come back to it, society. <laughs> you know? I think we're yep. a lot more aware of it nowadays, though, honestly. I think we don't necessarily do a better job of not doing it, but I think there's a lot more awareness that this is, and maybe just within our de- generation and younger, we're aware of a lot more of, oh, that speech pattern, that's a little dog whistle, or that's a little this. Like, we're a little more, but we haven't figured out anything to do about, like, just not doing it.
1: Yeah, and I think that too. Uh, just to come back quickly to the not all men thing is that it's very. This isn't we hate men.
0: This is just <laughs> both of us feel like we're <laughs> we need to explain. We like we don't just this show is not designed for us to just complain, or like make them the scapegoat of things because
1: as society has evolved and grown, the systems that were created everything is intertwined and it's always been created by mostly like white men and function to keep certain people in their place Mm -hmm. and to create that us versus them type of thing so that when people do try to make changes or become more aware that maybe we need to be more inclusive or that women's sport isn't terrible or whatever the general opinion may be that it's very oh my gosh that's bad and it changes until they're scared of change and Mm -hmm. like something that's different so it's very much like this is not just individual men this is like a huge problem that like not five dudes can't solve this on their own
0: yeah exactly it's hey we're gonna need all of you to get on board with all of us and we can change this it's just that we do need you to get on board yeah.
1: This. individual actions stand out sure but it's about a collective restructuring like the whole collective yeah. idea and how even we've been brought up in society
0: 100 yeah. percent. yeah they the you mentioned five guys can't do it all there is in five this guys have
1: great burgers by the way i've never it's been it's so good we'll Ooh. go when you're here in a couple weeks
0: oh yay we're gonna go outside <laughs> I was like, are we allowed to do that? My bubble buddy who lives in a different city? There is some cracker lines in this movie. And when I say Uh cracker, they are horrifyingly whatever, but they are accurate to the attitude and the times. So you see someone say it and you're jarred because you're like, I would never hear someone say that. And then you're like, but they're not like wrong here this is how it happens
1: yeah it was very reminiscent i tried to watch Mad Men earlier this year oh yeah and yeah. i think i made it through one episode not because it was a bad show but i simply yeah. could not take how it was written to speak to women which was reflective of the time 100%, period. yeah so it was doing its job as a Show in a sense, but I was like, I can't listen to this because it just made me yeah, so I think deeply 100%. uncomfortable. One hundred
0: percent. You're like, I know this is a characterization and it's accurate, but at the end of the day, it still doesn't feel great to me. So I'm gonna just find something else that makes me less stressed.
1: But not a romantic comedy.
0: Yeah. Hey, <laughs> there's a couple of great lines in these. This, but there is also the lines in this, the quotables, definitely reflective of Bobby Riggs himself it is we think sometimes oh they've made someone a bit more exaggerated in a movie here's some some exact quotes from bobby riggs in the lead up to this match women belong in the bedroom and the kitchen in that order i'll tell you why i'll win because she's a woman and they don't have emotional stability and at that point i believe Billie jean king in a press conference was like you're creepy And then it kept going downhill. And the final one was women play 25% as good as men, so they should get paid 25% as much.
1: I would love to know where he came up with that exact... The exact number, like, yeah, yeah. It's how like, did you measure science. that? Was that, yeah, the one of, the middle one that you said, I'll tell you why I'll win, she's a woman and they don't have the emotional stability. I think I mentioned to the this to you when we were chatting about it before, but this film was very reminiscent of 2016 US election to me. Yes, yep. Um, of very Hillary and not being emotional. But Trump claiming that she was too emotional and women are too emotional to run the country and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, he's like this garish, like, clown figure. Yeah. Who is so, it's like, very volatile like, and all yeah. over the place. So he is like the Bobby Riggs in that sense where yep. he just, bleh, word vomits, whatever.
0: Yeah. It very much, yeah. There's such, there's such lines where you're like, yeah, how did you come up with, with 25%? And the thing I, I think that comes from that, to me and, and when I speak, speak it, it is that the idea of that is on the premise that women are asking for this same amount of money in situations where it is not earned and they're not there's no women's footballers out there being like you should pay me the same you play the EPL players mm-hmm. there's women's football players out there who make more than some EPL players but they are also the best in the world at that and they are Maybe there's three of them, like it's it's different. But I think it's very like, and and tennis is such an interesting one because tennis is one of the few sports you have where the male and the female garner a reasonably similar amount of interest. Mm -hmm. They do have equal pay across the major tournaments, and and but that is still only in the last couple of decades. And so it gives us a really interesting kind of look at what factors actually make this happen because often they are at the same tournament so the tournament is getting the collective same amount of money regardless of who watched what you know should the women earn more than the men if they brought more people in and this like like it's it's a very interesting <laughs> kind of like there's there's obviously no right answer in the sense of like that one i think there's some right answers in actually paying people what they're worth but calculating Mm -hmm. some of those things can also be ridiculous but I think people get caught in this idea that like women are we want you to pay the same as like an NHL player and me I've run a women's professional football team I've run a women's professional hockey league. They don't want that. They just want to be able to pay their bills while playing the sport they love. They love it, but they know it's not realistic. You have attendance figures. You have TV deals. Of course, most of these girls have Ivy League educations. They're pretty, like, switched on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's that of just we want to be able to do what we love and be paid a living wage. Like, knowing their value and maybe
0: and standing They're not up compensated
1: for, for their full value but they would at least like a decent fraction of it to where they can live and do what they love and also exactly. i just thinking back to like when you were at the CW, cwhl rap that the times I that i volunteered the times that i volunteered there just seeing them with kids yep. and that they knew uh, without a doubt 100% that it was never just about their livelihood 100% it's always about the people that were coming after them. Yes.
0: Women's sport has a very strong i have responsibility for the next generation kind of thread to it because it is actually it's a marketing tool that mm-hmm. women's sports use to bring in mums and daughters and families in that way to bring bring people in but it is also them thinking of who they saw when they were that age who got them into this and those kind of evolutions of things the majority of the fan base of the cwhl is this Mm -hmm. and they're they're not even coming like it's not even that they're like oh i'm going because i'm like this young person so i'm just a fan but i am the fan demographic now
1: (laughs) yeah and i think that thing you touched on of like women's sport having that in their mind of the next generation, it also comes back to... It works with marginalized communities as well. Like, you think of the few black players that are in the NHL, as an example, and just, like, kids being able to see them. It's also through
0: film. It it ties back to that responsibility for everyone, not just yourself.
1: And I'm like, look, only recently did we have, like, Black Panther as, like, the first major black superhero. And kids being able to see somebody that looks like themselves on screen. And that's really, it's not that much different than seeing somebody that looks like you play a sport that you're super into or or that helps you get you into that sport.
0: In in racing, they talk a lot or, or Lewis Hamilton himself talks a lot about what it was like growing up and wanting to do this and having no one that looked like him. And now he hopes that there are kids who can see him and are like, he looks like me and he did this. I can go and do this or anything else that I, I want to do. And that's very like that kind of idea of responsibility and how that comes through is a 100% like treated as this is your responsibility to your community in because you have had this success. Whereas male athletes are not always held to that in the same way. But there is that kind of like interesting thing that I see sometimes is like, female athletes just want to stop being told that they're role models. They want that to not be what the narrative is. Because sure, they're happy to be that. They're going to be that's who they are, a lot of them. But you keep defining them as role models rather than defining them as athletes.
1: Yeah, it's almost like that's placed above just them being an athlete. A 100%, yeah. Yeah. And I think with women's sport too, it has that extra layer of the community, especially in this film of the queer community. Yes. Because she was such, like there were so many things that were intricate about her story that made it stand out. And I'm happily willing to allow us to go to the special announcement that Spasky would like to make about Margaret Court at this point. Oh.
0: <laughs> I was like, what is happening? What is- I was like, what is she reading on Twitter? And then I was like, Oh wait, no, I know where we are in this. I was like, <laughs> I, I almost feel like I didn't copy my notes over from the right page, so now I'm having to backtrack to my very aggressive Margaret Court opinions. As an Australian, I must say, it is the general consensus of our people. Fuck Margaret Court. Like, just, yeah. I said it, I'm kissing saying bye. Got it out. Yeah, here's the thing. Margaret Court is one of the best female tennis players of all all time won the most championships or or something like that or did at a certain time she is an icon of the game let's draw a neat box around the tennis court and be like this is the game so the tennis court is here margaret court is over here the actual margaret court is in this movie is portrayed as shy conservative religious standoffish and if that's just how they had portrayed her fine. If him and her, her husband and her were just a bit judgy about people's lives and this and that, what, if you're staying out of people's lives, I don't care then. But the thing is, is that she didn't do that? Margaret Court was all about positioning like womanhood, and that it was subservient, and she was a representation of good womanhood, and it was about serving men. It's and basically like,
1: upholding like the same values, essentially, that Bobby Riggs had a hundred percent, just in yeah.
0: different ways. Yeah, in a much uglier tennis dress, which my country is also absolving itself from, really? even though that is our color scheme for sports. <laughs> I don't know why we picked it. I do know it's it represents uh wattle and a eucalyptus, I think. It's it's two colours of... It's our national flora and fauna in our national sports colours, which are different to our national flag because everyone is red, white, and blue. It's true.
1: Paraguay is red, white, and blue.
0: Yeah, so. we were just like, you know, we'll just try something different. But the, the thing with Margaret Court is that she stopped playing, she went back to Australia, she became a pastor, she lives out in Western Australia, and then she said some awful things she was publicly like pro-apartheid where she uh, was very much like south africa has things organized better than any other country and this is not in the 90s or 2000s this is in 1970 we're not talking at a good time to be complimenting south africa for its decision making mm-hmm. at this point she's had awful things to say about martina navratilova she's a really lovely person but her life has gone astray she's just like Young players can look up to her, and it's really sad that they're now exposed to homosexuality. To which Martina Navratilova was like, "Okay, cool, sure." <laughs> you know, like it, it's funny because like Billie Jean King is is identifies within the queer community, is in a long term relationship with a woman, and still occasionally defends Margaret Court, but only in a tennis sense. She's, yeah, I'm not going to comment on all the awful things she said, but she was a very good tennis player. Mm-hmm. But the one that really got. Australia over the line to not liking Margaret Court. There is actually a campaign called Rainbow Flags above Margaret Court Arena, where every Australian Open, people come and buy tickets to Margaret Court Arena just so they can sit there and put rainbow flags up in the stands just to <laughs> annoy her. And I like I dig the passive aggressiveness of that because they won't take her name off it, so this is what they're going to do. Yeah, next um, best thing, man. Yeah, she was very like having a women's tour encouraged like homosexual behaviour, and you're like, okay, which she- I think
1: I mentioned to you before is being like. Like that was already happening. Like yeah, didn't know about she it. Like, like
0: I don't think the dudes were distracting <laughs> them from what they actually felt. I'm sorry. She active she was an active opponent to same sex marriage in Australia when we had a referendum. That is another part where we were all like actually no, maybe you're not a good person. But the worst part of it was recently there was a quote that was basically about like, teaching like people about the LGBT community in schools, is teaching about the devil, it's not teaching about God. And she went on to have these quotes that were vehemently like anti-trans and not just anti-trans, like teenagers, young adults, young people who identified as this and telling them awful things about themselves. And we were just like, the show was like, actually... We're we're gonna stop giving this person attention now. Like we we should we're just gonna let you go Westboro Baptist yourself over in a corner somewhere. So else. So what you're
1: saying she's probably friends with J.K. Rowling. Yes, yes,
0: <laughs> yes. She's she's not doing a great. She's not doing great there. Which is yeah. You did touch on which you did touch on because this is how we got onto Margaret Court. The like uh, queer community and its representation in this this film and the parts where obviously like it's showing that she's like trying to figure it out and everyone Mm -hmm. also knows what's going on and it's no one's really like talking about it, but no one's also making a thing about it. It's that real kind of like, it's like silent agreeance, unsilent, Like the Don't ask, like, don't
1: tell. That's basically. it. That's it. Yeah. yeah don't yeah. ask, don't yeah. tell
0: is the best way, is the best way to put that awful policy, useful phrase for this explanation. Mm. It's very much that because the, because as much as we, when we talk about the narrative, in like, uh, professional sports of like the queer community, homosexuality, we talk about it in the reference of the male sports community 99% of the time. We talk about what it would be like for an NFL player or an NHL player or all these things because we've gone, this is super masculine, you coming out would challenge that, how would it happen? In mm-hmm. women's sport, to an extent, if someone comes out and they're like, okay, cool, and they go on with, with their lives. But mm-hmm. there is... And almost inverse in that sense where the assumptions come that everyone who participates in this sport or in this level or on this team is a homosexual. And so therefore, the worst thing I ever had a parent say to me was that not to take offense And they really liked me. And I had known this hockey player actually for on and off for maybe five or six years. And they were like, no offense, like, but I don't want my daughter to be a hockey player because I don't want her to become a lesbian. At which point I was like, I don't know where I should start, like. Offense. (laughs) Like, start. Like having a, an excuse, I didn't even go to the part where I was like, I don't identify as that. That's the least relevant part Sometimes, of this conversation. Yeah, it's just easier to not. I was just like, that's not how that works. But good luck with that. And I and I left because I was like, nope, this I can't. <laughs> we're, we're here but there's that other side of it almost in a flip side where the community itself is super accepting of the behavior and society in general is actually accepting of the behavior in that kind of demographic group but mm-hmm. there is that alternate assumption where they're you like also, we're accepting yeah. but we just don't want to be part of that or you know yeah
1: yeah, and I will say with that assumption. I remember going to the NHL New Year's Eve party when at the Winter Classic and meeting all the CWHL people that were there and just having them automatically assume that yeah. we were together. And yep. When you because still when you introduce someone you're like this is my friend. Yeah, this is my friend Maria. Yeah. And then and we both just stand there awkwardly and I'm like no but actually just her friend. Yeah.
0: It's very funny because in that sport that language is is so guarded and it's it's not to protect themselves from their own community because we everything that's going on. Everyone yeah, knows everything. But yeah. it's that part where you're trying to protect your community and your sport mm-hmm. from the judgment of people who say they don't judge you because they haven't really necessarily realized. And you find also within that You have governing bodies, you have associations, you have various entities that, like, run these things who are like, I have to manage this concept because I realistically know this attitude exists and I know it's Mm -hmm. wrong, but I have to balance these things because I need participation numbers or I need this or I need that. But society is, like, society is a lot more chill, I think, with the, like, homosexual female... Athlete, the lesbian athlete, than it is in the inverse for reasons of patriarchy and misogyny yeah, and all because of those fun
1: things. I think it's hot, and then, yeah, like, exactly. They're just having yeah. like pillow fights all the time. Yeah, yes, Manger, I've never had a pillow like, fight. Actually, I, not. What's I've never had a pillow okay. fight
0: in my entire <laughs> life. Like, and I've been on a lot of women's sports trips, and there is not a lot of that. There's a lot of like bunk beds and camping blankets because you have no money for anything Mm -hmm. um and you're DIYing it as much as you can but I think yeah we see that obviously society accepts it a lot more within this but the sports themselves are almost and and the athletes themselves are policing themselves in the viewpoint of protecting it because of the assumptions that are maybe not as negative but they're still there and they're still impactful
1: Yeah, and again, it's totally. I think a lot of for athletes too, as individuals, they're like, maybe I don't care if how this would affect me personally only, but it's everyone else because you know that just even statistically, there's no way that if one person is queer or gay or bisexual, whatever, that no one else is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Like statistically, that's just not possible. So you're like statistically, there's
0: seven hundred people in the NHL plus, and you're like statistically. At least several of you, okay? Yeah, it's
1: also just about managing the reality for the whole community and how that would impact them, not only yourself as an individual.
0: Yeah, I think reality is something that... Not, not When I say we struggle with, it's the part where we have two concepts. And I talk about this when I talk about mental health things too, which is that there is the reality of how things should be, how we want them to be, how we want to act and have those outcomes and this and that. And then there is the reality of what the outcomes are really probably going to look like and that mm-hmm. we need to act in reference to. Because this is might actually be worse for us because everyone's not on that page. And I think that's this too. There shouldn't be this, and they know that, and there isn't for a lot of things, but they are working with this form of reality while they try and shift it.
1: Yeah, it's like when sports leagues or organizations or whatever it may be, even like the film industry, can barely handle sexual assault allegations, it can't handle them properly, and that's for straight interactions, then how the heck are they going to actually handle anything else?
0: That actually, Or allegations of racism, anything like that. Really. That brings me to say like, they can't do this. Straight community. Billie Jean King got outed because she broke up with her long-term partner, who is based on – the hairdresser in the movie is based on her partner. The, the story itself mm-hmm. is not entirely factual in the movie where uh, the dates lined up, but it does. They were together for, I think, nearly a decade, and they broke up, and she claimed essentially alimony. And and to do that, she, had, she sued Billie Jean King in court, which opened up her entire life and mm-hmm. essentially forced her out. It wasn't an active decision she made – The system was like, we just, everyone can have this information now. Here you go. And that was that. Did she like make some incredible things out of it? Yeah. But it wasn't a decision she necessarily was ready to make or had made or was going to or any of those things. I'm grateful for how she took it on and the amazing things she has done since because women's sport and some parts of queer sport are, are built on the shoulders of her and what she has done and the other people that she has helped who have then helped in that kind of food chain that expands out because there is so many things that when you look back in women's sport, you can trace the kind of concepts and the ideas and the attitudes and various things back to that founding of the WTA and her and the things that she did around that.
1: Yeah. And it's very, I think for a lot of women in sport and also just other people of color and it's very you just deal with it you find that extra level because that's what you have to do and this can go for anyone who's really experiencing like any sort of hardship in their life like when you know that you have no choice you're like okay we have to figure it out so (laughs) we'll just do it and I think of that scene at the beginning when they walk out of the meeting with Jack Kramer and they're like we're starting our own league and she totally just bluffed it straight up yeah and was like fine we won't play and then Sarah Silverman's character was like Are we doing this? And she's like, yep, we're doing it. And I was like, it was so relatable because I think you're just like, you, so many people, I think, and especially women, have had that moment where they're like, I have to do it.
0: Yeah. You're like, I'm just, okay, cool. Yeah. I think Sarah Silverman's character is actually um, based off of the real person who really founded the tour in conjunction with Billie Jean, who is the tennis, was the editor of a tennis magazine and was by all. I can see very much like the Sarah Silverman (laughs) character or or very in that kind of uh, vein of attitude and we can get all of these things done. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're completely right. It is very much that idea of I just have to get this done or I have to do this. Mm -hmm. We've talked about her engagement with the queer community. We've talked about the role that uh, race did and didn't play in this movie because this movie is... Very white. I think <laughs> you said when you looked at it, you were like, I've seen one person who actually has a speaking role in this who isn't very white.
1: Yeah, it was... So You have the other girl from the WTA, Rosie Casales, I believe. And maybe it said Casales, oh, yeah. but I'm assuming that's the English way to say yeah. her last name. Anyway, and then there's one hairdresser oh, in Oh, that's right. The salon. Yeah, there's
0: the hairdresser. Yeah, but yeah.
1: she maybe has one line. But And, like, Rosie Casales' character... While she's there, she's more of the feisty, like, yeah. sidekick kind of yeah. person. Yeah, and she's, like, um,
0: semi-background characters.
1: Yeah, the only time you really see her come to the forefront is when she's commentating the final match. Yep. Which I was so creeped out when they showed that footage on TV. When the, I forget his name, the male commentator, but he has his hand on her shoulder the oh, whole yeah. time. Holding her like he she's, like, his daughter or, like, favorite niece. But it's more just of, like, him... It's feeling because- like that's fine to claim her as like part of his space when they're standing there and i was like ew this is so gross like, like oh, stop why are you touching me. her <laughs> like
0: i i think when we look at this there is there is no players of color in this because at that time as for a lot of the history of tennis there were very few mm-hmm. players of color because the kind of rarefied fancy air that tennis existed in coming out of the All England Lawn and Croquet Club which is actually what Wimbledon's name is for anyone who's yeah. not sure what I'm talking about <laughs> is it's like they they weren't there in the same way that they, when Billie Jean King was was growing up she did talk about Althea Giz, Ibs, Gibson being the number 1 she'd won the Wimbledon and the French and the US and all of these things and She was like, I saw her and I saw her as a winner. Like, I saw her... She was actually the first woman of colour to win a major. But she's like, I saw her as a winner and I wanted to be a winner. And it didn't necessarily differentiate for me. I associated that with winning because that is what I had seen her do. She's like, but I was really, like, cognizant along the way, knowing that there's no one else here. Like, there's not... They're not getting these opportunities. This is excluding them, and in a lot of ways, in a broader scale, can still do. Yeah,
1: and I think for her character or her as a person, it's great that she's she was that aware, like from the start, because that's one thing that I don't think the film really no. showed at all. As it to be completely honest, and I know that you had mentioned you saw her. Even when she was with like the cast of the film, discussing it with Emma Stone, just that intersection. Yeah, well. it
0: was it was very much Emma Stone made a point about women's pay inequity and pay differentials and things like that, and she obviously cited a number, and it was the correct number, a hundred percent. But Billy Jean King's response, which is also correct, was yeah. But that's because you're white, essentially. It's different if you are Latino. It is different if you are a woman of color. It's different if you are any of these other things. Like, you are saying, oh, it's this. But that's, like, the best case scenario yeah. that you're looking at there. Which, she is a she is a very good advocate in that sense. And her foundation does do, actually, a lot of work within the, those kind of communities to work on some of those issues in a skilling up of people who already are in the communities to do it rather than running the programs themselves.
1: Yeah. And it's just really going back to the different way of thinking about it. Well, yes, there is the gender pay gap, but then you have to realize that it's not just one layer. It's a very layered issue. 100%. white women and then literally everyone else down below
0: it. Too, yeah, completely. So. And, and and that's not even a, a women specific thing. There mm-hmm. are across all of this, every like society as a whole, this layer cake of things that factor into where you sit in society and what you can access and what is easy and what isn't. And can you pull yourself up by the bootstraps? Sure, because you were actually given bootstraps in the first place. Yeah, you have, but if yeah, you're barefoot, like
1: then good luck to Yeah, you.
0: exactly. Like, <laughs> that kind of overarching thing. So all in all, mm-hmm. how do you feel about this film?
1: I liked it. I liked it better than the first time that I watched it, like yeah. I said before. I think me too, yeah. I think that there were some. It felt like it was scratching the surface of everything
0: for me into something. Yeah, and and it, it felt is like two it was. Hours. Like,
1: yeah, it is. It felt like it was dipping its toe into the real situation, but didn't fully explore it. Which, and again, this is like a totally different like tangent that I could go down of as to why movies like this get made, but they're required then to tick every single box. Yeah accuracy and like nuance and like everything like that yeah. but because there's not enough of them it will never yeah you're not allowed all to just tell the
0: story of this event you have to explain all the nuances of the what came out of the battle mm-hmm. of the sexes and how they got there and what the nuances of women in sport are you like no but also keep you can't it like, carry- palatable
1: so yeah. it will make money like, at the ca- box office. I can't office carry
0: all of this in one script. And be stretch. funny
1: and like, all of those things, which is why I wish there just were more movies about sports so that we could have a more varied... Spectrum of different things to watch, whether they're serious or every woman, yeah. every movie about a woman's sport has to be like an underdog story and like
0: comedy, and then hooray, it's solved well, by the end, and you're well, like, oh,
1: okay. This makes
0: me laugh because our our next topic, next mm-hmm. subject is an incredible documentary called Maiden, which is the underdog story yeah. <laughs> of a entirely female, whippered around the world sailing team, and if that sounds not at all fascinating to you let me tell you i've seen a lot of sports documentaries in my life this is one of the best i have seen and how i felt about it and it's amazing what you can do when someone from the bbc teaches one of your crew how to use a camera in like the 1990s or 80s and just you film a whole around the world race like you got a lot to work with it's i can't wait to talk about it next because it is is just Such a great movie with such an interesting character and the kind of intersections with society, once again, Mm -hmm. of gender again, but mental health and these kind of things and finding different places in society. So it's going to be a blast.
1: (laughs) Her character too, now that you mention it, is also very interesting too because she also wasn't like, rah, rah, go women. She was just very, I think I can do it. So like, why wouldn't I do it?
0: She was just like, I'm just doing what I do and you can take from that what you take from that.
1: Yeah, which in a is very stood her ground, but not, like, over-the-top, angry, yelling, whatever picture that is painted of yes. women that want equality. I
0: think I like it. the expression, what is it? Uh, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. You know, like, it takes a bit of everything to get that all, get it all together, yes. I, I really enjoyed this movie a lot more the second time. I think mm-hmm. the first time around, I was like... I think I was more busy being mad about things than (laughs) I was – what year did this come out? 2017. 2017, So I'd just come off two years at at the CWHL. I'd been in women's sport, like, in depth. It was what my life was. It may even have still been – it may have been early in the year. But I think I just was mad for the whole time for this whole thing because I was like, this is not fair, this is that. And so the second time I was like – okay, I'm watching it with the purpose of looking at these things to, mm-hmm. to to talk about it here. And it was a lot, I enjoyed it a lot more the second time when I was like, okay, all of this is still awful, but this is is a well done movie.
1: Yeah, I agree. There were a couple of characters that were a little bit too on the nose for me in places, but I think that's yep. going to, again, it's not going to tick every box for everyone, yeah, hundred percent. The only thing that, like, I will say, stood out to me consistently was that, and this is for me personally, like Steve Carell is Michael Scott from The Office, so I have a very <laughs> difficult time. Yeah, you're like, I can't take and you seriously. And being like, oh, it's Michael Scott. Like, yeah, yeah. And because of his character in this film, he did have a few of those moments where, yeah, oh, this is like, I'm there this, was a this lot of Michael moments. Scott would moments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yes. Yeah. So it, it's very funny when you get that where you're like, oh, I, I can just see you as this person hmm. you could see emma stone as billy jean king because it was uncannily well done like yeah, it was I, very
1: well cast from i that was sense. like
0: oh wow like even billy jean king was like i was like whoa <laughs> and i looked like that so <laughs> but it was in that note, billy jean king actually one of the reasons this is i think it feels very true this the narrative is because she was on the team Producing it essentially, Mm or she was a consultant as part of it, making explaining how things went, what they did, what this all of those kind of things. And I think that makes a big difference in something like this, where you really are like looking for the right feel in a sense.
1: Yeah, it's that thing where you want to tell it's yes, technically biographical, but a Hollywood movie enough where you know that creative license can be taken, but still. It's not something that's going to come out and Billie Jean King would be like, "Ew, Ooh. that's not how it happened at all. Yeah, like, yeah. what did you do
0: here?" Yeah. And I'm sure there's so. been ones of that where you're like, "That people are like, uh, "No, that is inaccurate, but yeah. sure." But yeah. It's like the Elton John one where you're like, "Not all of this is accurate, <laughs> but he it's true to the idea and he approved mm-hmm. all of it, so we're fine."
1: Yeah. Um yeah, that I think one of the things that I wish that the film had done a little bit more at the end was give us a better picture or at least a 2017 picture at the time when it came out of
0: what that WTA looks like now
1: yeah like what's going on now because yay she won and all of these things and it does give her like some dialogue about what she went on to fight for and like how she found true love with Elena Kloss later on and all of those different things but like where are we with women's tennis today obviously we're further along but what do you think
0: yeah, I think, I, I know, and I, I was thinking about this earlier, about the WTA, there has been actually a lot of conversation about should the WTA merge with the ATP, which is the men's tour, what is the arguments for, what is the arguments against, because often they're at the same tournaments, there's all these kind of things. Andy and, then we have yes. and Andy Murray says yes. I don't know if Andy Murray <laughs> says yes, they should merge. Andy Murray says Margaret Court needs to be quiet and have less opinions, and that why is it a thing that his coach is a woman... But on that note about tennis, which I was going to say, we probably will talk about again. I'm sure there's something else on our list about tennis. I can't remember the whole list myself. But on that note, thank you very much for listening. I'm Sasky. I'm Maria. And we hope you join us next time for Maiden. Yeah, it should be a good one.
1: They're all good. Yeah. (laughs)